All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. everybody welcome back to another episode of dropping the gloves thank you for joining us here on a nice monday morning can you smell that tim can you smell that what is playoffs. it it's the playoffs we got through 82 regular season games there was drama there was the doldrums of the middle of the season there was the excitement of the trade deadline there was lots happening but we made it thankfully it starts tonight. They're dropping the puck. Your team, the Boston Bruins, are going to kick things off, as well as the Islanders and the Hurricanes on the East Coast. It's a glorious thing. It's a beautiful thing. This is what we do it for. This is what we do it for. Do you remember back in the day when you were getting ready for playoffs? Back in club hockey, whatever college you went to. Isn't it exciting? It is exciting. It is exciting. And even more so with all these games. And as a neutral fan, as that, that as I am, I don't root for one team more than any other team. I, you're I lying again. Equally. You're, you're a Colorado fan and a Bruins fan. Don't lie to our listeners. Neutral observer. And it's nice to just like, I have eight games, eight series, eight matchups to watch this week, which is just really fun. I'm going to be watching hockey all night, every night. And it starts tonight. So yeah, it's a, it's a big one. And for the, for the Bruins specifically, my hometown team, it means nothing if you don't win the cup. So there's a lot of pressure, a lot of excitement. The Boston Marathon was today. Char just finished it a little while ago. Looking good. I'm hoping he's uh, in, in the building tonight doing a puck job or doing the flag waving or whatever. So it would line up too perfectly. I hope they do it right. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I feel like there's something more important to talk about. We left Friday's episode with a somewhat of a cliffhanger. You were about to go on a date, a first date with some random woman and you weren't going to dinner and a movie. You weren't going to go have a coffee and just go for a walk or talk about theology. Like you probably do. You're driving an hour plus to a wedding, which in a relationship is one of those milestones. I'm bringing a date to a wedding that puts a stamp on the relationship saying, This is my girlfriend. I'm introducing her to my family, my friends. It's a huge event, a wedding. Not your typical first date material. But here's Tim. 
His friend said he could have a plus one. And what does he do? He throws it out there on Tinder. Tinder. What is it called? Hinge? What did you do? Yeah. Hinge. Hinge. And he just threw the bobber in the water. And he got a nibble and he yanked in a catch and he took her to a wedding. How did it go, Tim? I've been just super anxious the whole weekend. And I even had a long weekend. All I could think about was you on this date. How did it go? Everybody wants to know, did you murder her? And where is she buried? (laughs) No, it was good. It was good. Like she's very like type a friendly slap on the back type person. So it was very easy to get along with her. Very easy to like introduce her to people. It was a small wedding, only about 50 people. I didn't know that. And so there was like nowhere to hide. There was nowhere to like, no big crowd. We were on the dance floor. There's like 10, 12, 15 people dancing. It's like not, it's not a big wedding. It was a beautiful venue at a, at a vineyard about an hour west of Charlotte. Really nice day. Ended up being really sunny and um, just a beautiful day. And it was good. It was good. She was very cool. And it was very outgoing, like I said, which made it nice that I didn't have to feel like I had to just be at her side at every minute. She was just introducing the people and chatting up people at our table. And it was just, we. I didn't know anyone at the wedding except for the groom. So it's not like I was introducing her to anyone um, of importance. It was just sort of a, it was like a party, except there's two people getting married. But it went well. Did, did you tell people your situation at, like, at the table? Because you have a table, probably eight people, and you go around and you're introducing each other because you didn't know anybody. Oh, uh, how'd you guys meet? Where are you from? And you go, I don't know anything about this lady besides. <laughs> yeah. Not one well, thing. We had a nice hour drive, like I said, on the on the way there to, to get to know each other a little bit. Um, it didn't come up except for once when some guy asked uh, that one of the the groomsmen was like, "Are you guys like a, a thing or, or or what?" And we just like laugh or like, "Oh, it's our first date." <laughs> so uh, I wasn't planning on telling anyone that because I didn't want my friend Rob to think I brought like some random girl to his wedding, which is what happened. But um, but she was really cool. So we'll see. How was the car ride? Did you address the elephant in the room? Like I'm inviting you to a wedding and we didn't just have a little inside joke. What did you talk about? Yeah. That terrifies me getting into a car with one of my closest friends for an hour. I would be nervous, let alone (laughs) a total stranger. How did that go? Yeah, it was fine. It's very easy to talk to. And and so am I. And it was fine. It was fun. We, it was not awkward at all. It was a good day. And it's just, it helped that it was a sunny day and outdoor wedding and the uh, cocktails were flowing and it was just nice. It was a good day. Now, how was the dance floor? You mentioned the dance floor. Not a lot of people tend you dance to a slow dance, I assume. No slow dance. It was all, it's actually interesting. Um, the bride is from born in El Salvador, El Salvador down in South America or maybe Central America. And so she, Um, all her family's in the States now, but it's all very like all the music was like Latin music and salsa. And like, it was similar, except it was in Spanish. And so we didn't know most of the songs. They didn't play like Mr. Brightside or all the small things or all the typical wedding songs. It was like thumping by Chumbawamba. Like you guys (laughs) in Boston, like to dance to I'm blue. None of that stuff, but it was still good. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a terrible dancer, but I'll get out there. And it was nice. I didn't know anyone. So I didn't care who was watching, you know? So so and you danced was, with her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we Did all just try to do the salsa like the. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 Remember the, uh, the scene from along came Paul, your Ben Stiller's trying to dance at the club and he's just, yeah, that's yeah. what I was doing. Yeah. The slow motion. <laughs> really? So yeah. is there going to be 
a second date? That's what everybody wants to know. I th- I think so. Yeah, there will be. Now, how can you make it more uncomfortable from the first? Do you go on vacation together? <laughs> like to some deserted island, just you two? Like how I can think it we're get gonna, even more awkward? I think we're going to go together on a down payment on a mortgage and just... Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what's impressive? She's 29. She already owns two houses. She owns one that she lives in and she owns another that she rents out. Isn't that crazy? That is. Does it make you take stock of your life and be like, what am I doing? No. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. No. 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 What does she do if she's got two houses? She's an engineer. Um, She used to work in um, mining and just doing something to do with like a mining company, like actual physical ground mining. And now she's works at like a startup or something. But I don't really know. Does she listen to the show? No, no, no. Why not? Not a hockey fan. Maybe she will now. She, She might be listening. So. Is that a deal breaker if someone isn't a hockey fan for you? No, no. It's not going to make me not watch hockey. So, My wife doesn't like hockey either. She really, <laughs> We had dinner with our friends and I, the topic of me fighting got brought up. And I don't talk about it ever. And, you know, there's a lot of nuances in fighting and, I, and people are interested. So I just started talking and I could tell my wife didn't like it. And I was like, I'm... I'm not going to stop talking, but yeah, she doesn't care for it, especially the fighting part. She didn't really care for it, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I, I won't even talk about my weekend. Yours was enough. There's lots to talk about. So let's just jump right into it. There's four games tonight. The playoff matchups have been set. I think when we left at Friday, there was one or two little things that could happen. Colorado locked in the first seed in the metropolitan division. They leapfrog Dallas. Dallas now plays Minnesota. We'll get to that in a second. But the first game tonight we're going to talk about is Tim's hometown team, the team that he says he's not rooting for, but is, and he won't admit it for some reason because he wants to be what? Uh, An honest reporter or podcaster? I don't know why you can't say you're a Bruins fan. Doesn't make sense to me, but we're going to talk about the Bruins Panthers. Let me guess you're going to pick the Bruins. Shocker. Let's break down this series, Tim. You said you didn't take any notes on this one because you knew it all. Well, what your, not what even. What are your thoughts on this series? Let me ask you the questions. Be quiet. Yeah. Are What's you it? nervous to play the Florida Panthers? What are you not nervous about? You won the President's Trophy for Pete Sick. You got the most points in NHL history. You got the record for wins with 64. You got a 60-goal score in David Posternock. You got the Vesna Trophy winner in Linus Allmark. You got the best defense. You got Lynn Holm. You got Charlie McAvoy. You got all. You got everything. What are you nervous about, Tim? I'm not nervous about any one thing in particular other than, well, today there's that bug going through a team that is a little bit of a question mark. So Bergeron's questionable. Allmark's questionable. A couple other guys. Might not play based on, based on this. So that's not great news today. But generally speaking, I'm not that nervous for this matchup specifically, other than just how much, uh, how high the stakes are, how, how high the expectations are for the Bruins. And regardless of who they're playing, they're expected to win. And so when you're the number one team, there's a lot that can go wrong because no one's, everyone wants you to win. Everyone expects you to win. And so no one's expecting Florida to give them much. And that is usually not a great recipe if you're the, if you're the the uh the favorite because you can only be embarrassed in the series if you win it's like yeah you should win if you lose or if it even goes like six or seven it's like maybe the Bruins aren't as good as we thought we were so that's the part that I'm, I'm nervous in that sense and I got the little butterfly in my stomach before a big game before a big matchup but there's nothing about Florida specifically 
that makes me nervous about them beating us. I know a couple of like Matthew Kachuk is going to be someone I'm going to hate for the next week to 10 days. Um, as will most of us. And he's just that type of player. He's going to score a big goal, probably multiple. He's going to throw a big hit, probably multiple. He's a good player. Um, but this, I mean, I, I, this is the one I'd really took no notes on because Boston, they have a better offense, better defense, better goaltending, better special teams. They're deeper. They're stronger. They're more experienced. I don't know what you can say about this. This is probably objectively the most uh, lopsided matchup in round one. I think, what do you think? Well, yeah, obviously it's hard to match up against the president's trophy winning team that has just crushed every single other record there was from a team standpoint in NHL history. So, yeah, you're not going to size up well versus these teams. But what I will say with the Florida Panthers is they've been playing playoff style hockey for the last month. Must win games. The Bruins have been on autopilot. They've been chasing those records. Yeah. But for the most part, they've been locked into that first seed for the last two months. They've known their fate, so they haven't been playing high-pressure hockey. I don't think that means a lot myself. I think teams can turn it on when it comes time for playoff time. You can get up for the game. I don't I don't really buy into the mantra. It's like, oh, well, we, we've had you know meaningless games for so long. You've been playing hockey. You've been playing NHL games. I think they'll be fine. Florida does have that little edge, but I, again, I don't think it's that important. They did go 2-2 two and two in the regular season. Bruins won earlier. Panthers won in November, Bruins bounced back in December, Panthers won in January. So they did go two and two. So the Panthers know what it takes to beat the Boston Bruins. Not many teams can say that they beat beat the Bruins twice in this year. When you look at the lineups, when you look at the stats, when you look at everything, power play, shots for, goals against, penalty kill, everything is lopsided for the Bruins. Every single thing. How do the Panthers win this series? The only way the Panthers win this series is if they can somehow, just somehow, slow down the top two lines for the Boston Bruins. Who's that going to fall on? It's going to be Ekblad, Forsling, and Stalin Montour. Brandon Montour, one of the more underrated defensemen in the league. He's having a great season. Aaron Ekblad, all-star. He's Aaron Ekblad. The guy is flat out one of the best defensemen in the league, doesn't get his accolades for it. Gustav Forsling riding shotgun to him has had a very good season. And then you got Stall and Montour who are playing three, four. If those four guys can just play above what they're usually play and somehow, Tim, somehow slow down Bergeron, Marchand, DeBrusque, Pasternak, Krejci, Bertuzzi, they might have a chance. Might. But I don't think they can do it. I think the Bruins are just too overpowering them. And, and the scary thing is, even if you do shut down those top two lines, your third line's Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle, Trent Frederick. Taylor Hall is an MVP in this league, and he's on your third line. He is an MVP in the NHL, and he is on your third line. And I'm not talking he's an MVP who's 38 and just kicking the can to try to find a Stanley Cup. This guy's 30 years old and still in the prime of his career, and he's on your third line. That's how deep this Bruins team is. So if somehow, some way, they can slow down the first two lines, continue their scoring success because Florida scores. Don't get me wrong. They can put some points on the board for as good as the Bruins offense is Florida's right behind them. The Bruins rank seventh, Florida ranks sixth. It's the Panthers defense. That is just not too par with the Bruins. The Bruins are just out of this world. How good defensively they are, whether it's the forwards, whether it's the defense, whether it's the goaltenders altogether, they're fantastic. 
the only way the Panthers win this is to stay five on five and slow down the first two lines. And then hopefully you can outscore the Bruins, obviously. But I, I just, it's a tall task, Tim. TTT. It is. And you actually skipped out on uh, Pavel Zaka reading the Bruins. He's actually the second line. Bertuzzi drops to the third. Trent Frederick might not even be in the lineup, depending on what Felino does. So they're just, it's crazy deep. It's crazy deep what they're doing. So, yeah, like I said, it'll be lopsided. But big question mark is, is this, uh, who's, who's plays tonight? Who's in the lineup and how that affects the, the team? Lineup for who? Oh, like sickness? I don't think that matters at all. I think if anything, it benefits Bergeron if he takes a day. Let him sit out. Who cares? Put Zaka in the first line. Let Krejci do the second line center, man. You still have Coyle. Like you said, you can just enter Nick Felino or get Trent Frederick to bump up to the third line. You got Garnet Hathaway, Thomas Nozick. Like they're just so incredibly loaded deep. I don't, even if Bergeron doesn't play, and I know you're happy, this is what you get. This is why you try to get first seed. You get to play the Florida Planthers. They're happy to be in the playoffs, but guess what? You're going to get your doors beat off. Where do you think this, see this series going? I had Bruins. Series. Yeah, Bruins in five is what I said. I think I think Florida could beat one. There's a great quote from Matthew Kachuk I saw this morning where he said, underdog isn't even like a strong enough word for what they are in this series. Um, but I, I say all this, you can't take them lightly. They've been one of the hotter teams over the last couple of weeks, the final weeks of the season. They have a, a string of goaltenders. Which one, which one of them could get hot? You don't you don't know. Um, I'm not taking them lightly, but I just think, you know, when you look at the data, you look at the lineup, it's just they're outmatched in every way, like we said. So I, I say Bruins in five. The Bruins backup is better than both of Panthers starting goaltenders, whether it's Lyon or whether it's Bobrovsky. That's correct. Correct. So uh, someone could get hot. The Bruins goaltenders, both of them could get hot and be better than any of the Panthers goaltenders they roll out. The Bruins will sweep this series. If they don't sweep, something is wrong. They will coast through these four games. There maybe one game goes to overtime. Maybe. If I'm going to do a prediction, I think Bruins win four, four games by multiple goals each game. I'm talking 5-2. I'm talking 4-1. Those types of scores. The only thing, does it give you any pause for concern that Florida was last year's President's Trophy winner? They know how it feels to be the top dog. They lost in the second round. Does that give you a pause that they've been there, done that? So they have somewhat some experience to be in the Bruins shoes and they know how to kind of topple that beast of a president's trophy winner. No, no, even their, their best, their best player last year was a Huberto. He's not even on the team and they weren't, they were, it was a, what's the right word. They were a, a hollow president's trophy winner. They didn't have what the Bruins have. So no, I'm not worried about that. It'll be interesting to see if if the offseason changes, bringing Matthew Kachuk, letting go of Huberto, how that changes, because this is what they did. it. They brought in Matthew Kachuk for the playoffs. Anthony Duclair is back. He hasn't been himself since being inserted back into the lineup. Hopefully he can find his scoring touch. I'm trying to look for the positives here. The floor, like the Panthers are not far removed from being a president's trophy winner. Like they are a good team. They do know how to put some points on the board. It's can they slow down the Boston Bruins. I don't think it's that team. That's why when we were going back and forth last week or the week before, who would be a more difficult matchup for the Boston Bruins? I thought it was the Islanders. The Islanders MO is to frustrate you. The Islanders MO is to just clog up the neutral zone, make it difficult for you, put a body on you, rub you, hook you, hold you, do whatever it takes to slow you down and get you frustrated. Florida's not that team. So it's a bad matchup. For the Florida Panthers, it's a great matchup for the Boston Bruins. I think Boston rolls in four. 
Maybe one game goes to overtime. Moving on. The next Eastern Conference Eastern Conference matchup. The aforementioned New York Islanders, they got the first wild card seat. So they get the luxury of meeting up with the Carolina Hurricanes. What a what a honestly big deal that is. To get that first wild card seed and to not have to play the Boston Bruins and to get to play a Carolina Hurricanes team, that's a very, very, very good team. Second place in the Eastern Conference. Conference. They don't have their best goal scorer in Svechnikov. Their supposed second best goal scorer hasn't played all season in Matt's Pacioretty. Or he played two games, three games. Didn't play at all. So their top two goal scorers coming into this season are gone. Tough break. Beautiful break for the New York Islanders. Did you do a breakdown for this, Tim? Or is this one just off the top of your head, too? No, I did. I did. And this is probably my, well... I don't really love either of these teams, at least in terms of their chances. And I think probably both of these teams would lose to any other team except for maybe Florida in the, in the Eastern conference in the first round. Okay. I'm not, I'm not really super strong on on the hurricanes. And so for that reason, this is probably my biggest upset in round one. I got the Islanders winning in six or seven over um, Carolina. I don't like that that the Carolina didn't replace Pacioretty at the deadline when they had all that cap room. And then they lost Fetchnikov on top of that later. Like you said, they've got some big holes in the offense. When the game's on the line, who are you going to give the puck to? Is it Ajo? Probably. And he's a good goal scorer. He's a very good goal scorer. But it's just, he's, I don't know. I don't, I don't trust them in the first round. Barzal's back, like you said. And then Brock Nelson is an X factor. He's so good in these big games. Especially in a matchup like this, I think he's going to be really, really good, and he'll he'll score some big goals. The big question mark too is is what a, what a Horvat bring? We saw that stat last week where he was I've, I forget the exact number, but twenty seven goals in forty five games with Vancouver, and he had like three and twenty one games with the Island or something like that. So he slowed way way down. What is he going to see in the playoffs? I know he's very excited to see in the playoffs, and I think he raised to, rises to the occasion because um, he's been wanting to get some playoff experience for several years now. So I do think he'll come out strong. And then Carolina has three good goalies. They've got two in their lineup, obviously. And that Kochekov guy down in the AHL is one phone call away. And he's a borderline NHL goalie anyway. So they have three good goalies, but they don't have the guy. They don't have the workhorse. And the Islanders have arguably one of the best goalies, top three, top two in the world with Sorokin. And I think he steals you at least one game, maybe two. So this just feels ripe for, you know, I, I don't love the Islanders either, but I don't love Carolina, and I think this feels right for uh, an upset. So that's my pick in round, in round one. Yeah, I, I think this is a complete polar opposite of the Bruins-Panthers. I think the Bruins-Panthers series will be free-flowing, very skilled. It'll be up and down action. It'll be very exciting. This will be a very hard series to watch. I think both of these teams pride themselves on defense, being composed, being hard to play against. And just going zone to zone to zone. And much like the Bruins dodging a bullet, not playing the New York Islanders, I feel like the Islanders playing the Hurricanes, as much as I said, it was it was a good thing. They're running into a team that's very similar to themselves. They, they play a very similar type game. The only difference in my eyes is Carolina has better forwards. They have more talent up front. Even with Pacioretty gone, even with Svechnikov out, they still have overall better forwards. You got Ajo. We got Tara Vinen, who I love. We got friend of the show, Seth Jarvis, Mark and Nietzsche's. You got Kaki and Emmy. You got some guys who can put the puck in the net. Maybe not consistently. Maybe they can't create their own offense, but they are very, very solid forwards. When you look at the Islanders, who do they have? 
in all honesty, they got a lot of solid guys. Their top three scorers, I think they all got 20-some goals. They didn't have one guy who stood out. When Zach Parisi is in your top three in goals for, it, it's not a great season. The one X factor for them, Matthew Barzal, out since early February, he's, he's coming back for game one. He could be the game changer. I don't know how he is. I haven't heard any news if he's back to his normal self. He had a lower body injury. But if he's back to 100%, that could tip the scale for the New York Islanders. But it's just, it's going to be a boring series. New York has a terrible power play. They're very solid defensively. Like I said, their their game plan is to just grind you out. It's going to be a lot of 2-1, 3-2, 1-0 type of action. I think I agree with you. I think Elias Sororkin is the difference maker. The guy could be a Hart Trophy candidate. He was he had that good of a season. I think it gets overshadowed by just how hard the Islanders had to work to get into the playoffs. He was fantastic this year. He played really, really good. And when you look at the Islanders roster, they've been here. A lot of these guys were on this team when they made back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals. Lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but they were there. They got... Some depth on the back end when you got Pollock, you got Mayfield, you got Dobson. They got some decent defense. What it comes down to with the New York Islanders, can they score a goal? Can they manage to find some offense in this lineup? Their vaunted fourth line that everybody loved. They were good 15 years ago. It's the same line. Sezikis, Martin, and Clutterbuck. Can they find some offense? We say it every playoffs before we start. The Stanley Cup is won by the third and fourth line. Which third and fourth line is going to produce more? That fourth line has done nothing all season long. Yes, it's fun to say their name. Yes, they get a lot of hits, but they haven't done anything. Contrast that to the Carolina Hurricanes. Their fourth line produces. Paul Stasny, Derek Stepan, you got Jordan Martinuk. These guys put some points on the board. They're buzzing around. So it's like, where do you go? It's too similar Structured teams going head-to-head. I think the Islanders have the edge in goaltending. I think the Islanders maybe have the edge on the back end. It depends if Jake Gardner is going to play for the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm not sure yet. We, we haven't had a definitive answer there. And then I think the edge for up front is with the Carolina Hurricanes, even with those two big guys out. And I don't. This is the hardest one for me to pick. It really is because, I, like you said, I don't like either of these teams. I'm going to go with the Carolina Hurricanes. It's, I think Sororkin is good. I think as a team, the Hurricanes are better. But it's it's tough. It really is. If Bo Horvat steps up and produces like he did in Vancouver, I could see them easily winning this series. But this will be a seven-gamer. And it'll be just like watching paint dry. It'll be very, very hard to watch. There will be no good offensive tan- chances. I think the chances for will be like eight to five every game. It'll just be, it'll be tough. Anything else on this one, Tim? Are you are you documenting the picks, by the way? Yeah, I got them. Because I did it last year. And it's a lot to keep track of that stuff. But you do it this year. I will. I will. Okay, moving on. We're moving west. The former Minnesota North Stars move south to the Dallas Stars. Are playing the new Minnesota Wild. Very apropos. What do you think, Tim? This This matchup was solidified at the stroke of midnight. They haven't had much time to scout each other. Who do you think has the edge in the wild and stars matchup? 
Yeah. I, I, I like Minnesota as a team a lot. Um, and I was thinking a lot about last, last season's matchup when they played the blues in the first line in the first round. And everyone was kind of talking about how good that series was going to be. So evenly matched two strong teams. Both of them deserved to make it out of the first round, but the way the matchups went, one of them was going to be gone. And the wild were up two, two to one in that series. And then they lost three in a row to lose it in six. And it was really disappointing. Didn't really have an answer for it. And there's really, the more I think about it, there's no reason to think that they're going to fare better this year against Dallas than they did last year against the Blues. I think the Dallas is a better team than the Blues were last year. And I think they're a better team than the Wild are now. The Bruin, the goaltending is pretty evenly matched. Um, I like Ottinger is probably the best of the bunch. But Fleury is very good. He's been really hot. And so is Gustafson, who's been really hot. And so that could probably be a wash. And you've got superstars on both sides. But I think the Dallas is probably deeper where they want. They're not as reliant on one guy or one line as Minnesota is. Well, you've got that Jamie Benz in your third line. And he had like 70 something points this year and 30 goals. Like he's a good player. You've got obviously Jason Robertson and Kaprizov kind of each other's counterparts. Kaprizov, I would say, is probably better. But um, I do like Dallas. I, I've got them winning a couple of rounds. So I've got them winning this one, too. That would that would make sense. If you have them winning a few rounds, they're winning. <laughs> it's um, this is a good series. I am excited to watch this one. I think these are two very, very good teams. Interesting little tidbit with the Dallas Stars. Their head coach, Pete DeBoer, he comes in, has a history of taking his teams to the Stanley Cup finals when he gets his hands on them. So he goes to Vegas, takes them to the Stanley Cup finals in his first team with them. He goes to the New Jersey Devils takes them to the Stanley cup finals in his first season with them. Now he's with the Dallas stars in his first season. Can he take this Dallas stars team to the Stanley cup finals, a team not far removed from making it to the Stanley cup finals two years ago. And they wrote a hot goaltender and Anton Ludobin that whole time. Last year, Dallas had a pretty good team, great goaltending, good defense, no scoring whatsoever. Relied heavily on the first line. Like Tim mentioned, the stars took a lot of flack. The owner came out this offseason and just ripped them a new one. So you guys have to be better. Fast forward to now. They have great goaltending still. They still have very good defense. And don't look now, but they have a very good team. They're seventh in goals four in the NHL. So how can you not like this team? They have everything you want to win the Stanley Cup. Everything's lining up for them to kind of make a good run. The only issue is, yes, they have a little more depth. Almost 70% of their offense comes from their top six goal scorers. Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski, Sagan, Wyatt Johnson, Jamie Benn. That's your top two lines. What did I just say? Usually, typically, the team that wins the Stanley Cup, their third and fourth line step up and make some plays. Does Dallas have that? The addition of Max Domi was supposed to spread out the goal scoring a little bit. I think he's gotten two goals since he's come over the trade from Chicago. So he hasn't really moved the needle that much. Mason Marchment hasn't done much this season. Can they get some depth scoring from those other guys? Or is it just the Heinz Pavelski Robinson show? That's going to be the X factor there for the Dallas stars. Can some other players carry the load? I don't know if they can. When you look at the Minnesota wild cap crunch this season, they lose Sutter. They lose Parisi. What are they going to do? They play old school hockey, baby. They grind it out. They're feisty. They throw it in the corner. They pound you in the face. Every single line has some sandpaper. I love it. The big key for them, they lost Kirill Kaprizov about a month ago. 
Everybody thought they were done. How was this team going to overcome losing Kirill Kaprizov? He was the guy. Guess what? They went 8-3-2 and two when Kirill was out of the lineup. They averaged almost four goals per game with Kirill out of the lineup. Eighth in the NHL. He's coming back. The guy who stepped up in his absence, Matt Boldy, threw in 12 goals in the last month. Massive. When Kirill was in the lineup, I think he only had 19. He almost doubled that in one month time. If he can continue scoring, Kirill Kaprizov can slide back into the right side on the first line with Hartman. Or excuse me, the left side with Zuccarello and Hartman. You have two pretty good first lines, two pretty good lines. Then you got Reeves, you got Felino, you got Duhamey. You got some size in your third and fourth line. The Wild are not to be kind of slept on. They have very good defense. You got Spurgeon, you got Brodeen, you got Dumba, you got Middleton, who they picked up last year from the Sharks. Again, a very hard decision here, Tim. To kind of, Mark Andre Fleury, you know, how do you go against a guy like that? You took the Dallas Stars, correct? Yep. Ah, oh, man. There's friends of the show all over this, this series. Everywhere I look, there's friends of the show. It's hard to go against Joe Pavelski. He, out of all the teams, Tim, is there one guy you would want to see raise the cup more than Joe Pavelski in the whole NHL? I mean, outside of Boston, probably not. No. Right. Isn't he the guy? He, he just Captain America, does everything the right way, continues to score goals at his advanced age. Everybody says he's too old. And he just puts up 82 to 100 points every single year. Who who was it? Remember how good Ottinger was in the playoffs last year? And, remember, and they're in the, the handshake line. I think it was in, against the Avalanche. I forget who they play, but the goaltender for the other team said to Ottinger, he was mic'd up and he said, you're the future man. Because he was the only reason they kept him in. He had like three shutouts in the playoffs. It's crazy good. That's what I'm hoping that Dallas brings back again this year. If, if he's like that again... I think they're going to win this. I wouldn't say no problem, but I, I do feel solidly winning. So, yeah, I do feel good about the Dallas pick. What do you think? Yeah, I, I I agree. As much as I love the Minnesota Wild, as much as I want to see them win and go against your pick, I think the Dallas Stars are very strong. I'm going to take the Dallas Stars, but again, it's going to be a long series, six or seven games. It's going to be very highly contested. It's going to be fun to watch. I think the X factor in this one will be Dallas's second and third line. I think Sagan and Ben are going to be very good and they will produce more than the the second and third line of the Minnesota wide with Matthew Boldy and these guys. So I'm going Dallas stars, Tim, but it's, it's, it's a tough pick because I love the wild. I really, I played for the wild. Moving on the last game tonight, LA Kings versus Edmonton Oilers. Take it away, Tim. What do you got for the LA Kings Edmonton Oilers? Well, this is a really even matchup, but this is one that everyone's kind of got circled on the calendar because we all want to see McDavid. We all think this is going to be a great series and they're evenly matched. Like I said, two and two in the regular season. So they both, they split the series in the regular season, but this is something interesting too. I, I didn't realize that Dowdy got injured before the playoffs last year. He didn't play in last season in playoffs. So he is healthy now and he's back and he's already talking about matching up against McDavid and how much fun he has doing that. And, um, the Kings are a really up and coming, exciting team, but the Oilers, man, they're so good. Even if you take out McDavid for a second, like you got dry title, you got the depth foreign depth scoring. You've got a stronger defense than you've had in years. You've got a, a hotter goaltender than they had in maybe five, 10 years with Stuart Skinner. Um, they're healthier. 
They're d- they're deeper than ever, and I th- expect this one to go seven. I think this is going to be a really tight series, but I think the Oilers' offense is going to end up overpowering uh, LA in the end. I think you'll get at least one game, maybe two, where McDavid just takes over, goes off for three or four points, um, and just wills his team forward. I don't think that's going to take them through the entire playoffs necessarily, but I think it's good for the first round matchup. So I ended up picking the Oilers in seven. Again, it's a very just fun series to watch. Uh, I I love how both of these teams are made up. I, I think you're sleeping on the LA Kings a little bit by calling them up and coming. I think they're a very good team. Adrian Kempe is a legit goal scorer. We touched on him last week a little bit. They have almost all the ingredients you want out of a Stanley Cup caliber team. They 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 could use a little more help on the back end. They could use a little more depth. Their third and fourth line are good. But when you look at the Oilers lineup, Tim, the addition of Nick Bukestead, the contributions they're getting from McLeod and Ryan and Fogle and Jan Mark, you can't ignore that. As much as I want to hate on this Oilers team, they are the hottest team in the NHL in the last month and a half. They're 18-2-1. It's they're just ripping everybody. And I I I know I know I talked about their competition. They're beating up on the teams that they should beat. You can't really fault them on that. They're playing the games. They are are on the schedule and they're just winning those games. They scored the most goals for by a landslide. Their defense is much improved. Like you mentioned. So I I just, they got a fantastic power play. I think the question is how many points is McDavid going to get? Is he going to join? If he goes the whole way, people are already talking. Only two people have scored 40 plus points in this, in the playoffs. And it's been Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky. Can McDavid do that? Can he join that elite group of players to just dominate an NHL playoffs? He can. He's shown it. Can they go back-to-back Western Conference Finals and get over that hump and get to the Stanley Cup Finals? I think they can. The Oilers have a very good team. I think they win this in four or five games. I, I, I don't think the scores will be lopsided. I just think the Oilers will win the majority of the games. Maybe they'll be 6-5, 5-4. I think Philip Deneau will do what he can to slow down McDavid. I think Anzi Kopitar would do what he can to slow down Leon Dreinsidel. They're just so good. They're too good, Tim. When you can ice a team that has three 100-point scores, numerous 20-goal scores, a 30-goal, a 40-goal, a 50-goal, a 60-goal guy, like it's scary. It's honestly scary. When you look at the back end, the addition of Matthias Ekholm, he's, he's really changed his team. Evan Bouchard, I thought he was going to struggle. He's played fantastic. He's played lights out since Eckholm came on board. Everything you want in a puck-moving defenseman. Eckholm has a security blanket. Darnell Nurse. Norris Canada, great defenseman. Does everything. Hard nose, good five-on-five, PP, PK. The guy's a stud. Cody Cece, who cares? You throw me out with Darnell Nurse. The guy's still going to be a good defenseman. The only question... The only issue here with the Edmonton Oilers, the experience between the pipes. How is Stuart Skinner going to fare in the playoffs? When the crowd's rocking, when you need to have that save, whether it's do or die, overtime, you're up by one, all the pressure's on and you're in Edmonton. How How is he going to do? That's a very hard situation to be in. I don't know. The same can be said for L.A. They got an unknown commodity in Corpusalo. They got Phoenix Copley, who's never played in the playoffs. 
So there's a lot of unknowns between the pipes for both of these teams. But I think it's everybody knows if the Oilers fail, it's because of Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell. Everything else on this roster is perfect. It really is. McDavid, Dreinsidel, Buke said McLeod, they're strong down the middle. I like their defense. They got scoring all over the lineup. I, 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 it's crazy that I'm even saying this because we harp on them every single year. You're wasting McDavid's career. You're wasting it. Give him some help. They got Evander Kane. Zach Hyman's playing well. Yamamoto, Nugent Hopkins having a career season. Janmark, Costin. They got it. They have that team. So I think they win in five. The only way they lose is if Stuart Skinner just collapses. So if he does, it'll be epic. But I think these guys coast through the first round. I don't think they have the same hiccup as they did last year with the LA Kings where they took them to seven. And they should have won that game. But they didn't. So I'm taking evidence, Tim. We we got a lot of overlap in the first four. I think the only difference is I took Carolina. You took uh, the New York Islanders, correct? Correct. I think we might see some more differences tomorrow in the second half of the series. But yeah, only one so, so far. And it's kind of one we both could go either way on. So. Yeah. There's a lot of good games. It'll be fun tomorrow. We'll, we'll be back. We're going back to back episodes just because it's so exciting. There's four more games tomorrow night. Four more series to recap. We got the Rangers, Devils, Lightning, Maple Leafs, Jets, Golden Knights, Kraken, Avalanche. It's the it's the most wonderful time of the year. It really is. So anyways, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Have some fun tonight. Watch some hockey. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.